Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. We are in our presence series, Camping at the Source, and um, Dave, over the last couple of weeks, has set a bit of a scene around the anointing and source and power of the Holy Spirit. And then what we decided we would do as we chatted through this, that we would um, teach some disciplines, um, all beginning with an S, you'll be glad to hear. So this morning I'm going to be talking to you about space, I call it margins, but it had to start with an S. So uh, next week I'm going to talk to you about study, and that's my hobby horse, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, And then we're going to talk about Sabbath, and um, we're going to talk about simplicity. And these are disciplines that um, the Bible teaches us that are really, really important. And we know that when it comes to margins, if you were in my seminar to bar, you'll have heard bits and pieces of this, but um, we live in a culture that pushes us to the limits. Um, Buy more, do more, be more, um, conquer more, 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 more seems to be the key word today. And I would argue that most of us, self-included, are living at an unbiblical and unsustainable pace. I said again, I think most of us, self-included, live our lives at some time or another at an unbiblical and a non-sustainable pace. And it's insane, really, what has become normal in Western civilization today. And most of us in the room this morning have broken all the promises that we made ourselves um, during COVID. We'll never go back to that. We'd never do that. We'd never get stressed again. Um, we broke all those, um, self-included again, I say. So much so even, um, I I find it even amongst our kids today. I find kids that are seven and eight years of age and maybe even younger on top of homework, on top of school, will be out four to five nights a week doing different activities, not to mention what they do on the weekends, and we call that now normal. Um, For many of us, the schedules now that uh, are imposed on our kids actually put stress on the parents. And um, it's not the first parent has told me they feel like a taxi service. And um, that is so true, isn't it? And if someone said, are you really enjoying life? Most of us would say, I don't really have much time to talk about it. (laughs) Got to go. And virtually everybody I know has little little margin in their life. And, uh, And they've no margin for error are the major portions of life that come at us that are really important. And most of us have no margin for the most important things in life. And some of you are sitting there now saying, Phil, what is margin? What is space? What does that mean? I say that margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. So how does margin play out in everyday life? Well, Margin would be showing up maybe five or ten minutes early to a meeting so you're not stressed out when you uh, come to it. Margin financially would be have some money left over at the end of the month. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, Margin is having distance between you and temptation rather than living morally on the edge all the time. 
It's having preset buffers in your life to keep you from stumbling into life-destructive behavior. I find out when people are stressed, they make mistakes. When I'm stressed, I make mistakes. Um, life isn't running at the normal pace, and so you're more prone to sin and you're more prone to failure. Margin could be having three or four nights a week where you don't have anything at all in your schedule. Margin could be having some extra time or extra money to invest to give people or ministries that you love. Uh, Margin could simply be having time to think, to reflect, to meditate, to dream. Margin could be having significant time with God, not a quick God bless this meal or God bless me or God bless my to-do list, but a significant time meditating on the word, enjoying his presence. Simply put, margin is what most of us do not have. I have been spending some time in Colossians, especially, there's only four chapters in it, I know, but I keep, the first three chapters have just blown me away. I've been in them for about three weeks, and I can't read much else at the minute. I'm reading them verse at a time and meditating on the verses and trying to talk to God about what that verse actually means for me. What does it mean for me to die to sin and to live unto righteousness? What does that mean for me? What is, how does that work out in my life? Um, what does it mean to be transferred from a kingdom of darkness, verse 12, I think it is, of chapter 1, into the kingdom of the Son of His love? What does that mean? What does that mean for me? Have I been transferred out of that kingdom of darkness? Why does darkness still bother my life? Why does the old nature still knock on the door of my life? How, how do I put that to death? Maybe some of us in the room have um, grown up in a salvation theology more than a kingdom theology. And in a salvation theology, what we do is we see it as a ticket to heaven. In a kingdom theology, we see our life being turned inside out and our life actually pumping with the lifeblood of God, God's life in us. So in Colossians 1, if it means Christ in us is the hope of glory, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? How does that work out in my life? that I am a carrier of Christ, that he lives in me, that wherever I go, he goes, that whatever I do, he's there, he's present, whatever I get up to, he is there because he's Christ in me and he's my hope of glory. What does that mean for me? Um, The older I get, the more I'm convinced that the best things in life happen in margins. Um, And I say this, when margin decreases, your stress increases. And when margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases. That means in your marriage, in your sexual relationships, um, in your marriage, um, I believe when margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases. And that's not just with people, by the way. That's with God as well. Um, These are all just things after 60 I was going to say 64 years on the planet, but in another three weeks, it'll be 65. But um, these are just things that I feel God has been teaching me, especially over the past two or three years. I can't tell you how many people I run into and say, hey, I miss you from church. Haven't seen you about. And they say, oh, Phil, you know, I used to come, but I've just got busy. One of my saddest things in in church life has been to pray for people uh, maybe starting a new business and watch that new business thrive and prosper and take them away from the house of God. Um, and that's, that's been sad. 
There's a story about an old Indian chief who got on a train for the very first time in his life, and he had never went that fast before. And 15 minutes into the journey, he pulled the emergency cord, and um, they went to see who pulled the emergency cord, and they found him out at the side of the track on his hunkers with his head beneath his knees and head in his hands like this here. And they said, what's going on? What are you doing? And he said, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to allow my soul to catch up with my body. And some of us, our bodies are running a lot faster than our souls. And uh, it seems that you just have to run even to stand still today. And if Satan, I say this all the time, if Satan can't make us really, really bad, he will make us really, really busy. And, um, and uh, we can become so busy doing lesser things that we miss out on the most important things. And we're distracted from the very best. I ran my own business for many years and I remember on one occasion, Jill and I having this um, argument, not that we ever had too many, but we had an odd one. And I remember her um, saying I was away from home a lot. I was a lorry driver, so I was away from home a lot. And I remember her saying, Phil, we just want you. We, we, we want you here. And I remember saying to her, I am doing this for you and for our kids. I am doing this. And she said to me, but we don't want you to do that. We want you. Dick Iverson tells a funny story, Dick's at home with the Lord now, but he was Portland, Oregon, the pastor there that came here, Bellamina, back in, um, way back in the 50s, saw a mighty move of God, and um, he tells a story about reading the paper one night, and he said he was, he was reading the, the, the paper, and he had it up over his face, and he was reading, his wife says to him, um, his wife says to him, Dick, do you love me? And he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. And he um, says, Are you sure you love me? And he was reading the paper and um, he said, Yeah, yeah, I, lo- I love you, I love you. You know that feeling, ladies, when you know your man's not really listening at all. And he said that all of a sudden the paper just disappeared. She just snatched the paper like this here and fired it across the room. And she says, Well, look at me when you tell me. And I think that God is looking us to look at him and tell him we love him rather than always being in the run. About four or five weeks ago, I dropped my son and his wife at um, Dublin Airport, and I prayed for them at the door, Um, and it was lunchtime on a Monday, and um, he sent me this little text from his wife's phone, this pin, less than 24 hours later, and it said, um, nearly there, Dad, love you, and he's 10,631 miles away in less than 24 hours. That's the world we live in, isn't it? We live in a world that shows how fast-paced it is. And as you read the Gospels, here's the thing. I never find Jesus running. I never find him stressed. I never find him trying to push 24 hours into eight hours, which we try to do. And as Dave quoted John Thompson last week, this is really important that Jesus, even though he was God, he was fully man. We sometimes use the phrase, and I don't, I'm not awful fussed in it, the God-man, but I don't know any better way to explain him. He was fully God, and he was altogether man. And so when he was here on earth, he functioned as a human being. And so he used the spiritual disciplines to listen, which is what I'm trying to teach you this morning, um, to what the Father wanted him to do. Remember, he said he only ever did the things the Father told him to do. And he used the spiritual gifts that we're going to teach you in the new year 
um, to do what the Father wanted him to do. Now, I know that Jesus lived in a different culture. I know he lived in the days of camels and donkeys and walking and give time for a great conversation, which we don't live in that time. But he did have time for a woman with a constant bleed of 12 years when he was on the road to someone else's house to tend to a sick girl. He did have a margin to stop at a funeral and be moved with compassion and raise the widow of Nain's son from the coffin and from that funeral possession. He did have time when the disciples wanted to send all the people home to say, no, let's, let's us feed them. Let's feed the 5,000. He did have time to teach the wonderful Sermon on the Mount that we have in Matthew 5, 6, 7. He, he did have time to hang out with Peter, James, and John more so than maybe some of the others and reveal his glory to them in a way that would change them forever. And there never has been a day where we're more bombarded with tools and programs and planners and apps designed to create focus and balance in our lives. There are a dime a dozen, really. And even though these things that are at our fingertips, we as a society have never been more stressed, never been more sleep-deprived, and never been more overwhelmed. And I think the reason is twofold. I think, firstly, many people look for a new program to fit our hectic lives into. <laughs> we're, trying to get a, we're trying to get a program to make it okay. <laughs> we're trying to get a program that actually fits our hectic lifestyle into something that says it's okay. Instead of starting with a godly plan and effectively walking that plan out day by day, week by week, and year by year. And let me also say that uh, I'm not an expert on this at all, and I've been guilty of all of these things, but I'm learning, I'm learning. Secondly, I, I think the key to having margin in our life is not balance, it's priorities. I think all of us are trying to balance our lives, and you can't balance your life. <laughs> and uh, if, if, if you go to balance your life, balance is what happens when you have parts of your life equal to one another. So you'll say, well, if I'm going to balance my work life with my home life, with my marriage, with my church life, all of these things, you've, got to, you've just got to list priorities, not balance. You can't balance them. They can't, they can't be equal. And by the way, God doesn't want to be equal to anything in your life. He wants to be first in your life. So you can't balance him and put him into a little compartment and say, well, he's there and my family's here, my work's here. You can't do that, all right? Wayne Cordiaro talks about the law of the fulcrum, and the fulcrum is the tipping point if you can. And, and so most of us are trying to live our lives in a balanced kind of way, and it never really balances. And he talks about learning how to move the fulcrum. So when you're home, you're home. <laughs> and so he says, that's balance. When you're home, you give your home, you give your your family 100%, when you're, when you're uh, in church, you give it 100%. You learn how to move the fulcrum. When you're with God, you give him 100%. So it's priorities, it's not balance. And uh, again, as I say, we'll see in a moment, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. And also, I think he has given us a plan for priorities that will help um, uh, have the right amount of margins in our lives. I think if we follow Scripture properly, we will understand that God has already provided this idea of priorities in our lives. And I'm just going to run through some steps that work for me. They might not work for you, but these are just some steps that I've developed in my life over the years that work for me. Um, and uh, the first one is morning. 
Now, I know some people will say to me right away, I'm not a morning person. Um, yeah, okay, we'll talk about that in a moment. And um, can I also exclude, because I know there's loads of new babies, we're about to dedicate five babies, but a mom that's up feeding in the middle of the night, for me to tell you that you need to get up early in the morning, that's just not fair. And so sometimes this doesn't work. I'm just telling you what works for me. And um, if you're a new mom in here, you need to do what works for you, or a new dad as well, of course. Uh, many studies have been done to show that waking up early and making the most of morning hours is key to getting things done and being successful in that particular day. And that has proved right for my life. And again, I say it's not a rule. Um, I, I worked in Loch Ness for many years. And so I would get up at uh, around half three, and around half three, my alarm would go every morning. I'd be on Loch Ness for four o'clock in the morning. And that went on for, for many years. And that was my time then. I would make a coffee, get my autopilot on, um, out into the lock, and I would spend time with God. And it was beautiful, I must admit. Um, the age-old one for me is the manna every morning. All right, um, it came, and its day broke, it disappeared until the next morning. If you missed it, if you slept in, you missed it, all right? And for the believer, this is not only a smart habit, but I think it's a, a godly habit, all right? I love what Hudson Taylor says. Hudson Taylor says, do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. I love that. Begin the day with the word of God and prayer and get first of all into harmony with him. Isn't that beautiful? Get first of all into harmony with him. And if you follow my devotions, you will know I pray this every single morning at the end of the devotion. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you or I lift my voice to you um, and eagerly watch. My mom called this her morning psalm. I had to read it to her every morning when she was ill. She would call Psalm 4 her um, evening psalm and Psalm 5, her morning psalm. Something happens when we start our day early by tuning our hearts in prayer and uh, communion with God. Something happens. And for those who are leaders here or dads or moms in here who have families, it's also crucial that your family sees you start the day with the Lord. Some of my sweetest moments in life are when my kids woke up and came downstairs with sleepy eyes to see Dad in the Word of God. That is a, a memory that I will cherish and uh, George Mueller put it this way. He says, I, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. <laughs> I love the language of that, just having your soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glory the Lord, but how I might get my soul in a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished. Imagine coming to work with a happy soul. Imagine coming to work. Imagine how it will begin to affect even people around you that your soul is nourished in the Lord. And of course, we know the Bible tells us to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And for you, Curtis and Maggie, going into a start a new family unit, these are incredible values that will build a life upon. These are values that will build generation after generation after generation that you put these in. Second thing I would say is to know and plan your day. 
Make it happen. Just don't let it happen. Most of us can go through lives just letting um, things happen to us. Having a clear agenda for the day has been so important for me for so many years. I thought my morning devotions with the Lord was a spiritual decision, and then the agenda for the day was just my business or my professional decision. I thought that for years. And then one day, I read this verse with a new way. I read this verse. Your eyes have seen my own form substance in your book, were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Let that sink into your mind. God actually wrote all of your days in a book. My wife Jill died at 47. This verse became very precious to me because loads of people said she went before her time. She went way too early, there was no doubt about that. But every day of her life was recorded in a book before there was any one of them. And so are all of yours. And I wonder sometimes as I studied that verse, I began to think, if God has ordained every day in his book for me, don't you think it's a really good idea to ask him what he's planned for that day before you actually plan it? <laughs> if, he has, if he has already worked it out, wouldn't, wouldn't it be much better working on his plan than mine? It'd be far better if I just said, God, what have you planned for me today? Who do you need me to meet today? What do I need to create a margin for today? Because another verse I could throw up here is Ephesians 2.10, that he created works for you to walk in before you were actually born. He actually created the things for you to do. And so if he is the creator of all things, and he has formed this, then um, I, I cannot tell you how freeing that verse, the realization of that verse was in my life. And every day in my morning uh, devotions, I would ask him, what's your plan for me today? And although my time with the Lord evolves a bit, as yours will, for the most part, I structure my devotions and my agenda a little bit like this, all right? I read as a discipline. I'm not the best reader in the world, and I'm not the fastest reader in the world, all right? Um, uh, but I, I, I read as a discipline, and I, I, I've learned that this could be multiple chapters or a few verses. Um, I've said this to you before. Many of us started reading in the morning. We do this. We look over to see how long the chapter is, to see how long it's going to take us. You don't need to read a chapter a day. You could read three or four if you want, but I can do, I can do with reading a verse if it captures my heart. And um, I find that sometimes less is more. And uh, there have been days when I've been reading a single verse and I've stopped with the depth and the truth. That's what I've been doing with Colossians 1, 2, and 3 for weeks and weeks now, just stuck in those three chapters. So I read as a discipline, all right? Um, if you just read when you feel like it, you'll, that, don't, that won't work. You need to be disciplined in this, all right? And disciplines become a delight, Disciplines become a delight. All right, um, I write in a journal. I'm a messy writer. I'm not, I, I have two or three journals, and I, Lorraine says to me, Phil, you'd write in the back of a postage stamp, and I think I might. Um, and I, I, I have come to appreciate the value of writing down. I often say that a short pencil is better than a long memory. All right? Short pencil is better than a long memory. Right, Paul? Um, and write it down, write it down. And um, I usually keep a journal and a pen beside my bed as well if there's thoughts that come to mind. 
I, I write so and write down what you feel the Lord saying through the scriptures. So that's so important because you're reading the Bible to feed your soul. So it's, it's a good idea to jot down, maybe be just two or three words, just little ideas of what you feel God has sent to you. Um, prayer is a great idea to pray in the morning. And I know that there are many different um, uh, tools to help you in this, like the 24-7 course and stuff like that, prayer course. This little um, acts acronym has just worked for me for a lifetime. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's how I pray. It works for me. Um, starting off by just adoring him, by telling him how wonderful he is, then confessing my sin and my shortcomings, and then thanking, that, thanking him that he's always there for me, and he's always there to give me another chance, and another chance, and another chance, and then the, the names, first and foremost, of all my family, my kids, and my grandkids, roll off my tongue uh, morning and evening as I supplicate for them and for many others. And then, um, as I begin to conclude my devotions, I get my journal, and I make my to-do lists what I have to do today and, uh, and I move over the items from the day before that didn't get done or the people I need to chat to or the people I need to talk to um, those, that's just a little agenda that worked for me read as a discipline, write in a journal pray and then make your to-do list, remember you've already asked God what he wants you to do and then the third thing I'd say morning, um, know your day know and plan your day and then rest true rest is something that so many long for, but few actually find on a consistent basis, all right? Um, God created our bodies to need a break. And to function properly, we need a break. Therefore, if we're going to be our best, we need to take this seriously. You say, oh, do you have scripture for that? Of course I do. Loads of it. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. When was the last time you sat still? Um, some of us just don't know how to be still. And I found the target for rest to think of it in a daily, weekly, monthly, seasonally, and yearly. Um, and you know how this works in your life. Um, it depends on exactly what, exactly what you do, your schedule and your flexibility and stuff like that. But understanding how to break a day is really good. When you come home, what do you do to, when you come home that lets you know you're home? All right, things that break your day, that end your day. Even you're going out again in the evening, there's something about breaking your day. There's something at the weekend. There's something um, short, um, midterm breaks and things like that. But no matter your situation, I think it's really healthy to think on these terms. All right? And as you look at Scripture, I find three things that you need to find to rest your body, mind, and your spirit. The first thing is silence. All right? We live in a noisy world. We live in a world where we're bombarded by noise 24-7. Can't you be a scripture for that, Phil? Yes, I have. Jesus himself said to the disciples, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Where's your quiet place? Where is that place? Where is that quiet place that you can get to, to get away from the noise of life, to get away from the bombardment of everything around you, it is so important to get silence. It's so important to have solitude. I, um, I have learned as I've got older, I'm not much good at solitude in my early days, but as I've got older, I've loved some solitude. I don't need loads of it, but I need some of it. 
and it's beautiful for me. Um, and I know this is extra hard for the extroverts out there, but look what Jesus did when he needed solitude. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus did this. And he's the God man. <laughs> and if he did this, if he needed to find a quiet place, Actually, there's a verse in Mark 1 that actually says, he said to his disciples, we need to draw aside for a while because they didn't even have time to eat. They were busy too. And so if Jesus needed quiet places and lonely places, um, then we should follow this example by turning off our screens, um, turning away, pulling away from people and getting alone for a period of time. And then the, the third one is sleep. Sleep may sound like the obvious solution to rest, but it's one that I need to preach to myself too. Um, if you've been doing the, um, the, the course in, in um, Life Group, you'll know that um, 50 years ago, my mom and dad worked really, really hard, but they slept 10 to 11 hours a night. Um, this generation sleeps about six to seven, and it's not enough. And um, Dave was telling me um, in his new uh, electric car, he was telling me that there was a problem with the charger. And whenever he plugged it in, I, I told him I was going to preach this. Um, he, he said when he plugged it in at night, when it, uh, it wasn't charging fully, it wasn't charging to 100%. It was only charging to about 60 or 70% through the night. And so they discovered it was something wrong with the charger. But I was saying to him, that's exactly what's happening in life today. People are not getting recharged. They're not sleeping enough. And so your bodies aren't getting rejuvenated. Your bodies aren't getting that 100% energy. And you, you, people say, I, I say this to Lorraine all the time about a lie-in, because I'm not much of a lie-in person. Eight o'clock on a Saturday morning would be a lie-in. Maybe even half seven would be a lie-in for me, uh, because I am a morning person. But I've learned this over the years. Um, I remember um, Wayne Cordero said this as well. He said, if you're going to sleep in, sleep in on the other end. Go to bed early. Just go to bed a little bit earlier. If you want to sleep in, go to bed a little bit earlier and turn the TV off. Um, um, again, do I have scripture for this? In vain you rise early, you stay up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. On and on I could go, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest, rest. We need our rest. And I love this here, D.A. Carson, in Scandalous, the cross and the resurrected Jesus said this, sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is to get a good night's sleep. Not pray all night, but sleep. I'm certainly not denying that there may be a place for praying all night. I'm merely insisting that in the normal course of things, spiritual discipline obligates you get the sleep your body needs. So important. These things are so important. I love the story in 1 Kings. We're coming to a conclusion, but I love the story in 1 Kings when Elijah is running from Ahab and Jezebel and he's completely stressed out and he's on the verge of a mental breakdown to the point that he wants to give up and die. And, um, he, he, and what happens is that the angel of the Lord turns up. How does he get through it? Well, he gets through it with the help of this angel. And this angel just lets him sleep. Then makes him a meal. Then lets him sleep again. And then makes him another meal. Uh, rest in its simplest form is getting the sleep we need. And uh, lastly, can I say, 
Statistics show that none of us can do three to four things, more than three to four things really well. And the problem is some of you are, are, are trying to balance, you're trying to spin 10 plates at the moment. You can't do 10 things well. Uh, these are the, these are the, the, the sort of the, the gurus that tell us this, three, maximum four things really well. And Andrea Wigglesworth for 25 years now has said this to me. Phil, what are the, what are the three or four big yeses that are worth saying a thousand no's to? What are the three or four big yeses in your life that you think, well, um, I say sometimes, and the guys will hear me say this, there's no point to having a ministry and not having a marriage. And I say sometimes to the team and said it for many years, if we, if we take the world and our families go skew with, then that's not a win, really. And so it's really important that we understand what are the big things to say this to. And... Um, when you stop living according to the patterns of the world and you start to live according to the rhythms of grace, then your life will never be the same. It's really, really important. I finish with this and then we're going to pray. Dallas Willard said that our soul is like a stream of water which gives strength and direction and harmony to every other part of life. Your soul is like a stream of water. Now, you didn't create the stream. God did, but you are the keeper of the stream. And if you're going to live effectively, then um, you have to own the health of your own soul. This is really important, all right? In Deuteronomy 30, I'll not take time to read it, but in the first 10 verses, um, God is speaking to the children of Israel. He's saying he's giving them blessings. He's giving them all sorts of an invitation for Israel to live this unbelievable life where he says, I'll make you prosperous, you're your crops will grow, you'll increase in number, I'll give you abundance beyond what you can ever think. And then in verses 10 to 14, or in 11 to 14, in the next four verses, he says, it's theirs for the taking, saying he has made this abundant rich life available to them, accessible to them. Now Ephesians 1.3 reminds us that God has already placed in us everything we need to live a godly life. It's already in there. If we're born again, it's already in there. And the main thing that you have to give in serving God is you. The main thing you have to give in serving God is you. And at the end of that chapter in Deuteronomy 30, the Lord issues with a challenge. This is what he says. He says, this day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And then he says, now choose life. I love that. Now choose life. Life's a choice. And it's your choice. I'd love us to pray. Johnny's going to come and, uh, and just lead us a little bit. You need to embrace today. You need to embrace this thought that you are the keeper of this stream. You're the keeper of it. All right? And one day you will stand before the Lord and give a, a, an account of how, how, you, how you treated it, how you treated your own soul. And so what I'd love us to do I'd love us just to, um, I'd love our, our prayer ministry team, if you'd, there's some at the front and some at the back, and if the guys would come to the front, I'd love us just to um, take a little moment or two to pray. And if you're sensing this morning that you just need to change your habits, that you need to, and you, you just love, you'd love our guys just to lay on hands and, and help you in that process, then I'd love us to do that just now.
I'm not uh, saying come to Jesus for a better life. I'm saying come to Jesus for he's better than life. <laughs> it's not coming to Jesus for a better life. It's coming to Jesus because he's better than life. And uh, whenever you have him, you have the fulfillment of all in all. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I just pray this morning as we live in today's society when the world seems to be doing a thousand miles an hour and we're running just to stand still. Feels that we're just playing catch up all the time. Uh, Some would say chasing our tail. God, would you teach us godly habits? Would you teach us godly living? Would you teach us... um, the habit of margins to create those spaces in our day where um, we can turn aside and see like Moses did. And when God saw that he turned aside to see, God spoke to him out of the bush. Exodus 3. Interesting. When God saw, he'd got his attention. I've often wondered how many he walked past in the 40 previous years. Tonight, the guys are coming to do their album and they're creating a place to linger. That's why it's not going to be a rush away. If you need to go, you can go, but it's a place to linger. It's a place to worship. We're always in a hurry, aren't we? And um, what I'd love us to do right now, I'd love, I'm, I'm just going to close our gathering and I'd love, I'd love us to leave in the attitude of worship. Our prayer minister at the front and at the back and we would love to pray the guys would love to pray with you and I don't want to rush this and our time's gone and uh, but what I'd, I'd love if if you want to sit on a moment in the presence that's fine if you need to go and get your kids then you, you can do that but avail of our prayer ministry team will you just as I said this morning maybe it's just and I need help with this I I'm telling you here now, I haven't mastered this. This is a life of exploration, of trying to slow down, of trying to create margin, of trying to make sure I sit before God in the morning to find out what he wants me to do that day. This is just, this is, this is life exploration. And for you, it will be a little bit the same and maybe a little bit different, I don't know. But would you avail of our worship or our prayer teams? Um, and let's leave it there this morning. Father, I just pray a blessing over every person in this room. I pray, God, that you would minister now. I pray through our prayer ministry, guys. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would come by your power. And Lord, if there are those in the room that are just struggling with the pace of life tonight or this morning, that this would be the day to say, I need to change that. Would you pray for me? I need help in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning. That's the veil of our prayer ministry, guys.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.